Well, hello there, HW here, and thank you so much for listening to the Tone Junkie Podcast, episode 35. That's right, episode 35. I'm down here in HW's study. It's far too cold outside for the porch, and uh, I'm, I'm down here because I call it a study because studies are cool. Offices imply that people don't have fun in them, and I have a ton of fun in this room because it's filled with more guitars than books. Although I do have uh, some old, like, 80s editions of Guitar Player and Guitar World magazine that just have hilarious advertisements and hilarious products. Steve Vai really did endorse everything. He really did. I mean, it just... Uh, Anyway, uh, you heard the beep already. The beep is not fixed. Yes, the smoke detector down here is still on the fritz, but, but don't worry. Nest sent me the replacements, and... Uh, they're getting installed Saturday. So they're getting installed in two days from when I'm recording this. So maybe when you're listening to this, it'll be gone, certainly, hopefully, in the next uh, in the next Tone Juggy podcast. No video edition today, just going straight audio, straight audio into the telephone. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm hoping that I can, uh, I can keep the peaks and valleys on the decibel level here to a minimum. Yeah, that, that beeping's annoying, but welcome to my world. You know, I had John and the Suze over the other day. The Tone Junkies were working on some HX stomp stuff, some Helix stuff, some everything stuff, IRs and stuff. And I, um, they were, it was driving them crazy. This beeping was just driving them insane. And I don't even hear it anymore. I really don't. I'm completely tuned out. Um, so it's very strange. Anyway... Um, let's, uh, let's get right to it. Um, I've been, I've been conducting, well, first of all, let me say this. A couple of people have been tagging me in pedal boards and saying, is this deluxe or is this extra? Um, uh, Matthew Montgomery just tagged me in a board of all pink pedals, all pink pedals. It is so extra. The guy, the guy is trying to make an operation pink pedal board. Look. I have started a company, uh, I guess you can call this a company, it's mostly just me talking into a phone and buying a bunch of amplifiers, but according, I'm telling the IRS it's a company and writing this stuff off, so (laughs) anyway, I've started a company where it's a monkey with a pink mohawk and I haven't even made a pink pedal board. I mean, this is, it's really extra to make a pink pedal board. And and the thing is this, when I watch this, it's like, well, what are what are we doing? What are we optimizing for? Is this about is this about tone? Is it about enjoy I guess is 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 it even about showing off at that point? It's not a pink the thing that gets me is this is when you go into a group like Gear Talk, and I'm not trying to criticize the guy for doing it. I think it's fun. It's it's funny. Uh but it's extra. You know what I mean? It's extra. Like in the sense that like if someone's being overly dramatic that's a bad thing. It's not really a bad thing. It's not like, it's not like theft or uh, gentrification. You know, it's not like a bad thing in that way. It's just, uh, it's just, <laughs> I'm like getting pink pedal boards of gentrification, <laughs> which is kind of maybe is accurate. But anyway, the type of person who puts together a pink pedal board, I think is also the type of person who would never be caught dead putting a pink guitar on and playing that on a Sunday. And the pink pedal board is maybe, it's a cool way to be different, you know what I mean? It's like a way to dress like all the other kids, but 
Uh, but you've got different color shoelaces, so actually you're an individual again. Ooh, look at that. Amazing. Um, it's really interesting. Yes, Leo. You want to be down here and play? Well, I was recording a podcast, but yeah, you can go play. That's my son. Anywho, um, it's extra. I think what I need to do is have like an have an HW judge your let HW judge your pedal board, and I'm just gonna do reaction shots and talk through the pedal boards that I see. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a post or something and ask people to submit pedal boards. Now I don't know who's you can submit your own pedal board or someone else's pedal board or just a ridiculous pedal board, but I think I've got to make a YouTube video and maybe. Uh, well, the audio won't work if you can't just if you can't see the board, so it'll just have to be a YouTube video. It won't be on the podcast, but I'll point everybody towards it on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, I think we should have an H let HW judge your pedal board, kind of a hot or not for pedal boards. Oh, that's a good idea for a website, isn't it? Hot or not for pedal boards. I like that. I like that a lot. We should try that. Um, okay, let's. Um, Let's yeah, I like that because there's a lot of extra pedal boards out there. Even Bradford Mitchell's pedal board is a little bit extra. I was kind of eyeing it the other day. It's kind of like, all right, bro. How many Chase Bliss pedals is too much? Is it four? Because if it's three, you're 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 over you're over the hump. If it's four, you got a little room. You're still deluxe. I don't know. It's it's extra deluxe maybe. Is that better? No, that, that, that's better than deluxe. I don't know what it is. Anyway, I've been doing a little experiment that I haven't really told anybody about. Uh, I went to Chicago a while ago, and I went and visited Chicago Music Exchange. And um, I went for work, and uh, and it was also, uh, 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 you know, I brought my wife along, and she held the camera and stuff. When I say I went for work, I mean I went for Tone Junkie. I went to go visit Chicago Music Exchange, and I really wanted to do... Uh, an experiment. And here was the experiment. I actually went to Chicago and I spent a couple days there, explored the city, but I went to Chicago Music Exchange a couple times and I looked at a couple vintage instruments and I really, really fell in love with a um, a really great 335 that was from the late 60s. I think it was a 69 model. And uh, it might have been a 71 or so. No, it was a 71, I think. Yeah, because it had T-tops in it. And I talked a little bit about this on the podcast before, but the video is about to come out because I've been doing an experiment um, because we're uh, almost reaching six months away, but I just want to, I wanted to do the experiment and consider for a minute my hypothesis about, you know, when guitars get away, when you don't buy a guitar, you lose it forever. You really do lose it forever. You never get a, really a chance to buy that guitar again, unless it's like a buddy's guitar or something. But other than that, like if you if you buy if you don't buy a guitar that you are really into, you basically lose that guitar forever. I mean, it doesn't come back. You don't get it back. It's that's just it's gone. Now, I one time, I'll tell you a story real quick. I one time found a video, uh, I'm sorry, I one time found a, um, I found a guitar online that I really liked the looks of. It was, it was like a Le Cabernita type of a uh, build that someone had made. 
and I had actually saved it into a folder. Um, I had saved it into a folder full of just cool looking guitars. So after I had done this, I, um, years later I was on eBay and those exact photos were in the listing. And I thought, is this a scam? What is this? Is this a, what's going on here? And what I realized was, no, that guy had taken photos a while ago. He had used the photos to show off the guitar in several posts on the gear page. And not all, and it turns out the guitar was for sale. Not only was it for sale, it was for sale in San Francisco. And that's where I was living at the time. And I, I pretty much was like, well, this is a sign. I am supposed to own this guitar. And... I bought that guitar and a couple years later I sold it because I had so many tellies and I was going through a I was going through a period where I wasn't in love with any guitars but I was really liking all of them. And really it was the Sir guitars that got me out of that phase. Um I had a telly at the time um and for me uh that telly was great. I still have that telly, but that was really the first guitar I loved and then after that I loved my Sir Strat, my custom classic Strat. I loved it, and then um, from there, I've really fallen in love with these JM Pros, and I've had other guitars that I really like, and I have some other guitars that I don't sell um, because I think they, they're worth more to me than anyone else, meaning I've got this great pine white telly that, you know, I would probably get, I think I bought it for $1,000 in, in at a shop in San Francisco, and I was told they think it's a big text telly with Lawlers because... It came in a big tech telly case, and it looks like a big tech telly, and it has a Callahan bridge like big techs uses. But other than that, they can't be sure, and they think it has Lawlers, but I'd have to take off a pick guard to look. To be honest, I've owned the guitar for years. I never bothered looking. It's that white telly you see sometimes, and people always say they love the sound of it. It really is one of the best sounding Telecasters I've ever come across. Um, it's bright in a snappy, kind of uh, bright, jangly, juicy kind of way. Uh, whereas like a broadcaster is a little more of a thick telly. I wouldn't say this is thin. It's not thin, it, but it is bright and punchy, and I really dig it. What could I get for it? What would someone pay? And, and here's the thing. It didn't have a logo on the headstock because someone had put on a Fender logo, but they had done it over the finish. And so the Fender logo was chipping off. So when I got the guitar, I immediately chipped off most of the Fender logo except for the F. And so I, I played like that for a lot of years, and then eventually the F started coming off, and uh, it looked silly. I just rubbed it off the rest with my finger. So it has nothing on the headstock. Um, and I was told that, that probably it had a Big Tex logo at one point. Someone had removed it and put this Fender one on instead. It's a beautiful relic. People always ask me if it's an old one, uh, if they don't see the headstock, and um, it looks, it's brilliant. It's worth more to me than if I were to sell it. Maybe I'd get eight, eight fifty, a thousand. Can't imagine getting much, much more because it's basically going to be priced as a parts telly unless there's a name on the headstock. Another guitar that's worth more to me is my Bernie SG. I played it live a lot. It has really low wine pickups. Um, in fact, one of the pickups, I don't know, maybe too low. I'm not really sure, but it has a cool sound and I dig it. Um, and it has these Greco V, I'm sorry, these Bernie VH1 pickups, which if you are in, for a little while I got into the sort of import Japanese world and those VH1 pickups are pretty much the most sought after pickups to come out of Japan in the 80s. They're really one of the only ones that people 
seek out and buy and try and put in their things, but they're not well known. That's that guitar is worth more to me than than what I could get for. I could get 700 bucks for it probably. But I've had it plecked, I've had it set up, I've had you know, I had a bone nut put on it. I played it a bunch. It probably need one of the pots is a little bit scratchy. I've been it's been on my to-do list to fix it. But at the end of the day, that thing is worth more to me because I can't buy another SG I like as much as that one. Um, so it's worth more to me. So you have those guitars, uh, that, but, but I hadn't, but, but, and I like those guitars, but they weren't enough to be my number one guitar, both the number one and both that SG and that telly were my number one when I was playing in a band for a while around San Francisco. But when I stopped doing that gig, I was just playing in churches and I just, I wasn't in love with any guitars. Um, and I started getting PRS guitars. I started trying this, the guitars, that guitars. And I really fell in love with the Sir Strat. And I've really been in love with the Sirs ever since. I have the Goldie guitar that I love. I have a PRS single cut that I think is just, to me, one of the best Les Pauls I've encountered. I still think the PRS single cut stuff, not the single cut stuff, but the, the two, four, five stuff. Um, you know, the, the two, the double bridge, the ones that they really try to make like a Les Paul, not just the single cut models, which have the longer scale, but the ones that have the Les Paul scale, the two, four, five scale and stuff. I think those are some of the best Les Paul style guitars out there. I think they fix a lot of the Les Paul problems. I would play one of those over a Les Paul. I just would any day. And I do. Um, so I did an experiment and I've always, there's always been guitars that got away. I had a Les Paul actually that, that I let go on time and it got away. Um, I had, uh, uh, a BC rich mockingbird that would just be cool to have today. I'm not sure I miss it very much, but there's always been guitars like that, that I let get away that, that red telly cabernita that I said I found on the gear page. And then later I, um, I let go, uh, on eBay, which was dumb. You know, I, 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 Unfortunately, I, I actually do miss that guitar. So I did an experiment because I have this hypothesis. If you let one get away, you say goodbye to it forever. It's gone forever. You'll never get it back. But at the same time, I wonder if you don't think about a guitar, if you never own it, if you don't get to know it more than, than the time it takes to get to know it in the store, and if you let it get away, I wonder if it fades from memory. It actually is hearkening on uh, an age-old question. Is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all? all? Ah, these are the deep questions we get on the Tone Junkie podcast. So I decided to explore it a little bit, and I have to tell you, in this experience, I'm not missing the guitar as much as I thought. So what happened was I went to Chicago Music Exchange. I played a bunch of hollow bodies. I played a couple revelators. um, uh, And I also played... What is the guitar that Novo makes? The the P90s kind of looks like... It's an import model. The the Revolta. The Revolta. The, um, The double P90 Revolta with the less trim on it. It's, it looks like a cool guitar. It sounds like a cool guitar. It's, it, it, it's a really great import model as far as I'm concerned. It sounds really good. It plays really nice. I really liked it. Paul Davids did a video on it. It was spectacular. Um, and so here I am going, okay, I really want one of these old hollow body 335s. 
and I played them and played them, and I haven't always loved 335s. I love the way they look. I still have somewhere, uh, maybe I left it in San Francisco. Shoot, I don't know where it is. But I, I used to have these a big poster of Clapton when he was in Cream playing a 335, and I loved the thing. I got to get one. I'm looking at a wall right now in my study that could use a big photo on it. I'm going to get it and put it there. Anyway, jumping back to the 335 Chicago Music Exchange, it, it, I played a bunch. I loved a couple. I lo- let me say, I liked a couple. But there was one that really began to grow on me. It played 8.5 out of, out of 10. It could have been slightly improved upon. The neck wasn't my favorite neck in the world, but I liked it a lot. 8.5 out of 10, I'll give it. Um, it wasn't like the most to die for, but I, I think I prefer, I like the necks on my JM Pros. I enjoy the neck on my Tele as a unique neck that I like having in here. It's kind of got a hard V on the back. Um, but this thing was usable, and I thought, okay, I, I, I can really, I, I could play this. I could keep playing this. I like this. And I played it and it had these gorgeous T-top pickups in it. And for those of you who don't know, I've talked about this. If... If Kurt Lamberton is listening, if um, if Jason Lawler is listening, guys, the T-top is a story waiting to be told again. Angus Young played the T-tops, and it's what gave him part of that sound, but it, they're not rocking pickups. Actually, a PAF would have given Ang- uh, the P- those pickups, the, the T-tops, are the reason ACDC sounds like it, it does. It sounds clear and lower gain than you think in your head. If he had been playing PAFs, he would have sounded like everybody else. Now that, and he had this this uh, Schrader pedal or what, whatever it's called. And, um, and then, any, anyway. If any pickup guys are listening, I really think there's a market for recreating the T-top pickup and re-releasing that as capturing a golden sound of the early 70s and really saying, listen, you've probably played a lot of PAFs that are dark and you've probably played a lot of underwind ones that were. But these T-top style pickups continue where PAFs leave off and they add a beautiful amount of high end onto humbuckers. I actually really think T-tops are great praise and worship uh, pickups. And there's a guy... Um, uh, in our in our in our KPW group, who has a guitar, um, with it's, his name's Tanner, and he's got a guitar where he added a T top to a uh, a Gibson SG, like Junior that has a single P ninety in it, and um, I mean, boy, it's that must be quite the guitar because those T tops are great, they're great, um, especially the logoed ones, and listen. You can find them for fairly cheap online. They were pulled out of guitars like crazy in the 70s because everyone was trying to yank those things out and put in DiMarzio super distortions. I mean, you can find them. There's got to be a big a big trough of them somewhere. They're going up in value a bit because people are discovering them again. But this thing had beautiful sounding T-tops. They're not the most mid-rangey humbuckers at all. And that's why I think for the P&W guys would really like them. The high end isn't the most refined. I could see how it could get a tiny bit harsh, but I think you can play around. I really do. I really think they're great old pickups. And I think at the end of the day, 
those pickups are what won me over. I played that guitar for hours and hours. I even went across the street, had some donuts at a place that my buddy uh, uh, Morgan told me about, Morgan Brady told me about this great donut place across the street called Dinkles. And I'm going to be going to Chicago more often for work and stuff. And so I'm definitely going to be going back to CME and definitely going back to Dinkles um, because Dinkles had some of the best donuts I ever had. Um, And I didn't get to go to this French place that had the most amazing burgers. But anyway, um, great food in Chicago. Love Chicago. What was really interesting to me was I really, really debated on buying this guitar. And look... It was about $3,600, and I thought maybe I could get them down a little bit, but it was it was over $3,000, and I, I really thought about it. Uh, but I didn't pull the trigger, and I, I kind of thought, you know, HW might be able to... HW might be able to... say no to buying this guitar on this big trip to Chicago where he basically intends to buy a guitar, a vintage 335, and do videos about it. But instead, I decided to say no. And I thought to myself, can I live without this guitar? Yeah, I mean, I've been living without this guitar. Do I want to? No. I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. Because I talked to them anyway, and I explained, I said, can I get this guitar? Can I take anything off price? He said, are you from out of state? And I said, yes. And he said, good. Then we'll do it as a transaction, as like a phone transaction on your credit card. And, and, and I'll punch in the number, and then we'll send it to you, and then you won't have to pay sales tax as long as you don't take it from the store today. I thought, well, that that's good. That makes sense. Let's do that. So... We were going to do, and so I thought I could always call them back tomorrow and get the guitar. But I ended up leaving. I ended up going to Dinkles, eating a donut and thinking about it, really debating it over this delicious sugary treat, which now that I'm on keto sounds really good, but I actually don't have a craving for it, which is weird because I can think of how sweet that donut is, but it actually feels too sweet at the moment. No, I'd eat a Dinkles donut. What am I saying? HW still, still still eat a Dinkles donut. Anyway, I decided this would give me an interesting experiment. And I'll tell you, I did think about that guitar for several weeks, but how many times have I thought about that guitar in the last four months? A couple. I have. And I've a couple times looked at the wall and thought, man, I kind of wish I had bought it. But what's also kept me, I don't want to say kept me going, that's dramatic, but what's also kind of kept me not regretting the decision to not purchase it has been that I still have the chase in front of me. I still want to find a great 335. And I'm open to sometime in the future. Maybe not now. Maybe in a year. Maybe in two years. Maybe in five years. Maybe in 10 years. Finding the 335 I can't live without. And listen, If it's in enough time from now, maybe I have saved up enough money from not buying guitars, from saving. Maybe I have saved up enough money that if that Dream 335 is 5,000, 6,000, if I'm 50 and I buy it, if I'm 59 and I'm cashing in and I'm, I'm drawing money out of my 401k, I might go, you know what? An early 70s 335 isn't going to go down in value. 
I'll buy it and I'll play it and I'll enjoy it and I'll leave it to my kids. And if I pay 10 grand for it, as long as the economy's not in a slump, they're not making more 60s and 70s, 335, early 70s. I won't get a later 70s probably. But they're not making more of these. It's a decent investment if I take care of it. And maybe at that age, I'm not going to be playing it out. Maybe I'm going to go, these are my golden years. This is what I've worked my whole life to put money in a 401k and an IRA and save for my kid's college and do all this stuff, you know? Maybe I will go, you know, I got enough money to live for the rest of my life in my 401k with Social Security and everything. Let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to put some of that in the thing. I can always sell the guitar later. Now, is that wise? Probably not, but I'm not going to put a large portion of my net worth in it. I'm not going to sell my house to get a 335. But look, the most I've ever spent on a guitar has been about 3500 bucks. Do I recommend people do that? I really don't. I really don't think you need to spend that much. I really don't. I think Sir and a used Tom Anderson and used Fender Custom Shops, and I think um, there's a ton of import stuff. First of all, I think you can be an amazing guitar player and really never spend more than 1200 bucks on a guitar. I really do. I think there's so many import models, and the import models that people are making today are amazing. I think there's a bunch of Japanese stuff from the 80s. I think there's a bunch of used stuff. The guitar market is kind of down. I'm not sure if people are watching this, but there's a, there's for the last six months, there's been a couple sirs on Reverb all the time for $1,600, and you can make an offer. I believe you can pick up a sir for $1,500. And if you're picking up a Sir for $1,500, I would just say anybody who's going to go buy an American Strat, just hold your horses. Just go check it out. Buy it and resell it. You can certainly turn it over at that price. Buy it and resell a Sir. I mean, that's what I would say. I see Tom Anderson's. They're a little more expensive, but I'm seeing some in the $1,700, $1,800 price range. Hey, again, if you're going to go buy a new Fender, Fender uh, American Fender, don't. But look, you can still get an American Fender and be a crazy good player. I mean, those instruments are great. And I'm not a snob that I'm going to I'm going to say you can't play a great telly. And then if a if a year later you want to get some Lambertones pickups, you want to get some Lawler pickups, be my guest, man. You can get some great stuff. But you don't need to spend $3500. But I did spend $3500 on a Custom Shop Strat, a Gold Sparkle Custom Shop Strat. A lot of people know named Goldie. And, oh man, I just had an idea. You know the company Han? They make tellies, H-A-H-N. Is it H-A-H-N or H-A-N? They should make a Goldie, and it someone would call it Goldie Han. Anyway. Um, but um, ching. Um, you don't need to spend a ton of money, but look, I would sink. I'm not opposed to sinking $10,000. If I have the money into um, a vintage 335, maybe one that I'm not going to play out a lot. I might bring it to church here and there, but I'm not going to go running that guitar all over the place. I'm going to keep it in my home. I'm going to treasure it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to use it in videos. Uh, and then that thing's still going to be, that thing's going to, it's going to, I mean, that's whenever you're buying rare collectibles like that. Um, and I think one can make the case that those have, 
stood the test of time. In down economies, all collectibles like that, when people have less cash, there's less buyers for them. But there's always collectors who are into it, and they always command a price. You might have to be patient to get your ten dollars or $15,000 out of a guitar, but you will. And so I'm, geez, here I am talking myself into investing in vintage guitars. That's an interesting thought. But look, it can be done. It could, and it could be done. It could happen. Now, do I think it makes sense to spend, now here, here's what I'm saying. If you're going to spend $5,000 on a guitar, I would not buy a brand new $5,000 Sir. There's a brand new $5,000 Sir that I would love to own. There's one right now that looks like a Firebird, but it's based on the JM Pro body. And it has, it just looks awesome. It's got Thornbuckers, it's got a five-way switch. It looks like a Firebird. It's got an awesome painted headstock. Is buying that $5,000, sir, a good investment? Heck no. No way. It's a bad investment. Because what I'm waiting for is someone to buy it and then sell it to me later for $3,500. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. I'm hoping that because Sir keeps coming out with all these really rare models, like not rare models, they're just only making three or four of certain guitars, and then they put them out. They're kind of like these special edition ones, and places like Eddie's Guitar or Matt's Music are buying them, selling them, and I'm hoping just to catch one get resold later. Would I buy the guitar for thirty-five? I probably would pull the trigger. I probably would sell something and pull the trigger. But, 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 but. Um, what I got to, what you got to remember is that, you know, I, that's, that's going to go down in value immediately. That vintage, if you're going to spend $5,000 on a vintage 335, well, here's what you got to look out for. If you buy it from Chicago Music Exchange at $5,000, you probably could only sell that for about 4000 right away. But it is going to go up in value. So there is some premium from for going through a dealer like that. Um, you might be able to get five grand out of it. I'm just not sure. But if you get one that you see, maybe in, and if you go to Carter's, you're going to probably pay $6,000 for that $335. That's actually only worth $4,500, you know? But if you buy one private from somebody right now, you can flip that private to somebody right now or probably even get that same dollar by going through a Carter's and maybe you're only going to pay a 10%. Uh, you know, you know, maybe maybe you'll lose a little bit, but you probably won't lose much more than 10%. They're going to add their big markup and then they're going to sell it. And, and that's how the consignment deal might work. They'll take their commission that way. But my point is, if you're going to spend 5000 on a guitar, I think it's much wiser to do it on a vintage 335 or vintage SG, like a 70s guitar there, than it is to do it on, look, I'm just going to say it, do it on a Sur or do it on a Veritas. I would not spend $5,000 on a Veritas. I would, I'll be honest too, the market for guitars like Elliott's are so small that I'd be hesitant. However, because I see people selling Elliott's for 4200 and I realized they didn't actually pay that much more for that. But those guitars are in such low supply that there actually is demand. There's a lot of people who wish they could reach up and buy an Elliott. But to me, with all the cheap Veritas's coming out with the Import Landers and the Craftsman series, I'm just throwing this out there. If you spend $5,000 on a Veritas, you're never going to get that money back out of it. Never, never, never. Because... 
you put specs on that Veritas that are going to appeal to you, or maybe you didn't. Maybe they just have special specs that someone else put on it or, or that Veritas themselves put on it. You'll never get that money back out of that guitar, so it better be a forever guitar because when you put yours up for sale, it's going to be put up for sale against a Portlander, an import lander that looks the same, which means you're not going to have people understanding why it's different. So you're going to have a whole part of the market that's not going to go up and even consider your guitar. Now, maybe they wouldn't have considered it anyway, but you're going to have people who bought Craftsman guitars who are going to go, I'm going to get that Craftsman series. It's a better bang for my buck. And you're just not going to get your thing out of it. I, I really would hesitate. Now, my buddy Stu G swears by Veritas. He's got um, a bunch of Veritas. He's got a couple of Veritas guitars. He showed me one the other day. Um, he has a bunch of cool guitars. But you know what I love about him? <laughs> he straight up looked at me and said, I love this Duesenberg, but it's not worth what they charge you for it now. And, and that's true. And he plays that Duesenberg on the road with Michael W. Smith all the time. And he's play, but right now, but at the same time now, he's playing a Gretsch Silver Falcon on the Christmas tour. And he's a guy who calls it like it is. And he said, these are great. These guitars are great. These Veritas guitars are really special. I really love them. Um, I didn't get into whether he thought they were worth the money. I don't know. He probably paid an artist price, which sure he probably got a 20% off discount and he probably really loved it. And I'm sure he did. It, they're, they're nice guitars. My point is you can't buy that guitar for five, a, a Veritas for 5,000 today and get anything more than 3,500 in a year from now. You're just, it's just not going to happen. Okay. So jumping back to 335, what's been my experience? I, I don't miss it, but the, the chase has actually kept, kept me kept me going in a way. And and I'm actually more excited about the chase. I'm actually more excited to know that eventually HW will get a super boss, late 60s, early 70s, 335. And I'm going to love it. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm still in the place where, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Carter's and I'm still trying out 335s. And I'm getting to know vintage 335s just by playing as many of them as I can. I'm getting to know vintage 335s just by I'm going to go back to CME and take a little trip again and go to Chicago Music Exchange and do a video because maybe that'll be where I find my perfect 335. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I want to catalog me finding and buying the best 335 out there. But I didn't find it that day. I didn't find it. And this might be a multi-year journey. H.W. finds his dream guitar, the Dream 335. I like that. I like that a lot. My name's H.W. Uh, here's, here's my conclusion, basically, about this. When you don't buy the guitar, it gets away. It gets away and it's gone. It's gone forever. But forever's a long time and you forget things and you get turned on to other things and there's no guitar you can't live without so don't be afraid to walk out of the store and think about it now i'll give, I'll give you one real little little last tidbit here and this is a guitar that i often wonder had i bought this guitar would i still own it today there it was basically a guitar that had been refinished it was a 1966 telly and it had original neck and original body it did not have the original pickups. It did not have the original. Basically, nothing else was original except for the bridge, the pick guard, the body, the neck. It had been refretted. It had been refinished. I think the 
the, the, the control plate had been replaced, but it was old wood and it was for sale for like 2,500 bucks. And at the time I'd never spent anywhere near that on a guitar. I was a younger man. And I, um, I went to, the, I literally called them and said, I, I played it. I, I slept on it. And the next day I called them. I said, I want to get this guitar. And I said, do you still have it? And the guy, his name's Jordan at Gelb Music. And Jordan has been a nice guy to me, but I never really forgave him for this, to be honest with you. I, I forgave him. I just, I'm, I'm joking. I was upset for a little while, but, um, but I've gone back there and bought guitar since. And we had a laugh about it. But this is what happened. I called, I called Jordan there. If you ever go to Gelb Music in Redwood City, ask for Jordan. He's a nice guy. Uh, Ed is the guy, bald guy, plays bass there. Good, 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 good staff over there. I like those guys. I went, but I called and I said, hey, do you have that 66 or 67? I don't remember the year exactly. Do you have that 335 there? Um, I really want to get, I really want it. He said, yep, it's yours. Just come down and get it. I'll put it back. I'll put it behind the counter. I went down there and there it was behind the counter. And I said, I'll, I said, he got it. And he said, there's a problem. I said, what? I thought he was kidding. He said, Somebody else bought it. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. He's like, no, I'm serious. And I said, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? He said, listen, well, I didn't know this. Jordan said this to me. He said, I didn't know this, but I picked up the phone with you while, I think it was Ed, was already on a call with a guy and he was saying, I want to come get it. And Ed promised it to him. And Ed hung up the phone, got off and took it back, took it behind the counter. And when I took it off the counter, he, he said, I turned and I said, how'd you know I wanted that? How'd you know I just sold that guitar? And he said, Ed had told me, no, I just sold it. And I went and got it. And they basically said, look, we got to honor, you know, first come first serve because that's how it would have been. If the calls were an hour apart, it just so happens the calls were probably a minute apart, two minutes apart. Now, listen, I sat at my house mulling it over. I called my dad and asked for advice. I called my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and I asked her for advice. I said, what do you think I should get this? I explained the situation. I went and did something else to take my mind off it. Had I not done any of that stuff, I would own that guitar today. Sometimes you sleep on it. Sometimes it gets away. Do I regret that? Honestly, it's so far removed, I don't think about that guitar much. I think about that story more. And that story flipped my switch into, if you lose it, you lose it forever. And if you hesitate, people will buy things out from under you. The other day, John Two and I were at a guitar center, and we found the most insane deal on a Fender bass breaker amp. It was new from Guitar Center. It had been in the shop for two years, and it was under. It was about two hundred dollars. And I couldn't believe how cheap it was. I said, "Why is this so cheap?" He, the guy said, "It's been here two years. See how beat up it is." It looked like it had been taken on the road for two years. Like it had been beat up. That's what two years in Guitar Center getting kicked around does to you. And he said, "We just never sold it. Never sold it. Never sold it." And it just sat there. And it was. It's finally on clearance. They said they had marked it down three times, and it was finally at like two. I think it was 250. It probably wasn't under two. And John too has been like, I want an amp. I just need a pedal platform amp for home. And I, I was, so we bought it. 
and we're bringing that out. But you know what? There was another guy trying to buy it while I was there. I was sampling it. He was listening to it, and and then he was hovering. And now, because he heard me and John saying, I can't believe this price. And then he heard the guy telling us, it's new, it's been beat up, it was 800. Then we marked it down to six. It's been sitting at six for all that time, for, for over a year and a half. And now we just marked it down this week to 280 because we got to get it out of here and it, it it's beat up. And, and we went, okay, we're going to buy it. The guy heard the whole thing and I heard him. I could see him out of the corner of my eye. And I was afraid that if I got up and went to the front and got a sales guy, because they know me at this GC, they know me as HW when I go in there. HW, and they call me about amps and stuff. They, I don't know. You get, you know, it's funny. You get a couple GC employees who watch your videos or who are Kemper guys. They will just, I mean, they, <laughs> they'll, they really do you some favors, I think, uh, which is good. I just, I enjoy, you know what it is? They don't, I don't know that they do me any favors or on any, on anything, but what I enjoy is going in there and just chatting with guys about gear. You know what I mean? I enjoy knowing the people in the shops. Anywho, um, so I go in there and I said, um, uh, I, I, I couldn't put the amp down. I couldn't walk away from it. I was plugged into it. So I, I was signaling, like, John, too, come over. I said, here, take this guitar, take this thing. And I, I reach behind and I start fishing out the power cable in GC's big you know, box display thing. And I yank out the power cable and I carry this thing to the front of the store before I start going near the front door. And the sales guy who knows me stops me and says, you want, do you want that? And I said, yes. And then I told him, I said, somebody else I think is trying to buy it. I don't want to let it out of my hands. So I literally didn't take my hands off. it. I just carried it to the front of the store until a salesperson, uh, you know, saw me trying to get near the door. Probably thought I was stealing it, but old HW doesn't steal. So I don't know. I don't know, you know, stuff, people can come right after you and buy the stuff that you're, you're mulling over. So I think you got to be decisive. I feel like I'm fairly decisive when it comes to gear. I feel like you got to be decisive. You got to be swift and, um, you got to pull the trigger and have no regrets. I've been HW. Thank you so much for listening. HW out.